0: This is Paycode rule a program about musical productivity examined through the storytelling lens of women in the music industry. Lang and let me introduce producer Tara Molesworth. Hello. And today's guest is Anna Thompson. Hello. one half of the dynamic multimedia group Slow Danger. A bit more than a band, Slow Danger was born from a root of dance and body movement. She and her partner Taylor Knight have strong concepts and thematic messages to convey, and they use all the skills at their disposal to help communicate their message. The music they create is in support of such effort and accompanies their own choreographed body movements as they seamlessly transition from electronic instruments to intricately interacting as two human beings in fluid motion. Endlessly captivating just on their own, they also craft larger productions that incorporate visuals, videos, and even additional dancers or musicians. They bring dance to the music scene and music to the dance scene, making them quite unique in the landscape of Pittsburgh artistry. Together, Anna and Taylor dream with abstraction and conviction, create with originality (laughs) and expression, and inspire with harmony and grace. Today, we will talk with Anna, and I hope we will learn all about the relationship between dance and music, how she came to be such an elegantly self-assured person, and how she views the role and identity of the artist in today's world. Yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> that was so
0: great. I think I need a copy of that for my bio. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just copy and paste this and yeah, send it to you I and put it, it on your website. <laughs> no, but you know what? Actually, in reading about your works in general from other people like reviews and stuff people say these really beautiful things about your work i mean aren't you like <laughs> it's like crazy yeah <laughs> people it's also really interesting to read how people write about dance definitely because it's really i think it's really hard it's yeah it's so nonverbal that
1: i really appreciate people finding the word it's almost like that's what i'm sending out like psychically and mm-hmm. then the words find themselves through other people. So it's it's a blessing to feel like at least what we're se- trying to send out is clear. Yeah. And it's being like received. Yeah. Cuz I mean, I've been in dance my whole life, so it just feels like my other language. Mm-hmm. And but I really struggle with dance that is created in the bubble of the dance world that I feel doesn't translate a lot to the just regular observer. Sure. Which is what's been so great about taking our work into like a club and bar scenario because then we really have a different kind of interaction with our audience. There's a different energy exchange that I hope to bring into my more proscenium or gallery based
0: work. Yeah, well. so you're a classically trained dancer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What what <laughs> is that even? How do you even do that? I started dancing
1: when I was 3 and I my mother was a dancer. Uh-huh. So oh, okay. I got into it pretty young. Um but it wasn't until she passed away when I was 12 that I really started to use it as like a therapeutic and expressive tool for myself. That's so young. Yeah, I was so sorry. Yeah. It but I think it it was it's a beautiful connection that I have with her energetic spirit now because I feel like I can communicate with her through moving and through my process as an artist. Um, And it also feels like there's like another voice moving through me as well Mm. that um, as a mover. And I think singing just became a process of like taking that vibration that I feel when moving and extending it further than my body um but so i I got really determined like dance was everything like high school i was like not really doing anything other than dancing (laughs) and um then got into a conservatory point park um downtown that is a pretty intense training process. You take ballet every day at 8 a.m., Monday through Friday, and then you're dancing for, like, six hours a day. Um, So it just – Wow. Yeah. Actually,
0: just to pause for a second. Yeah. <laughs> like, a lot. Yeah. Six hours a day. Six hours a
1: day, like, usually ballet, a modern class, another – like, six hours of technique class. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then if you're cast, usually rehearsing into the night. So I think it was just I was in a process of devotion really early in my life. So I think now as a working artist, like there is no question of um, the work. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, not that I don't question the work, but, like, I can, like, fall into, like, doing the work really easily. Right. Like, the actual Um, movements of it. Yeah. And, And, like, I think also kind of starting to explore a more musical process. Like, I think I got, like, a a certain training of, like, attention through dance. Right. Um, And then you absorb a lot of, I think, music through your body as a dancer a lot of, like, kind of embodied musical knowledge that I didn't even know I had until I started expressing it through a different medium.
0: Do you mean rhythm, or do you mean also, like, melody? I think
1: both, yeah. Well, I also took vocal lessons growing up because I was also into more of a musical theater Mm. kind of vibe. Mm -hmm. I wanted to mostly dance for Bob Fosse, who is dead (laughs) now. And then I got into college and i was like oh my god i cannot do like a freaking disney show
2: or yeah, like right.
1: a
0: revival of like <laughs> cabaret you know uh-huh. like so and is that because you you have a self expression goal i think so yeah
1: i think it started to feel i feel like there was an era of broadway where there was a lot of really experimental things happening and i think that was mostly in like the 70s 80s even into the 90s but now it's it's a machine and they have a formula that works Mm -hmm. and they need to run the machine because it's it's an expensive machine (laughs) and it needs to make that much money yeah um but i'm not interested in that kind of production um and definitely more interested in like a self-expressive goal career for myself yeah it's way more fulfilling for me
0: Well, you've been, I mean, I think pretty successful, um, especially growing with slow danger. I feel like I was reading about your memory series that you had. So that was like a multi-part series. Is it ongoing? Like, are you going to have memory, you know, 35 eventually? Yeah, hopefully.
1: (laughs) I don't, um, yeah, I think a lot of our processes were
0: like, we'll just keep doing it until we don't yeah so memory it's like very conceptual yeah you have a thing that you're kind of trying to convey through your music and through the dance and i mean how did how did you just you just decided you and taylor just decided we're just going to do this and we're going to find a place to do it and how does that process work how do you get people to to you know come see this awesome work that you're doing
1: so we initially just started making from a need to express um being in the conservatory training world was i now appreciate because it laid a foundation for me but at the time of being within it it was extremely suffocating and i didn't know why until I started improvising again. And I started to find my physical voice again. I love this. Yeah. I was like. I'm a big fan of yeah. improvising and creating. Oh, definitely. And like that's where everything stems in our process a lot. It's kind of like finding this, um, entering this space of the unknown and then kind of like finding symbols or themes or repetition through that space of not knowing, and a lot of our early work was just like, I don't want to move. I just want to stand here. So we, we were doing a lot of um, <laughs> yeah. research on like Bhutto and performance art practices, like Aiko and Koma, and a lot of um, like the Judson Church movement, which was mm-hmm. more like utilitarian based movement because we just were overdone with <laughs> like the technical. Well, and even the desire to, like, make something beautiful uh-huh. or interesting just felt, like, dishonest to me at that point in my life. Um, so we started to just do these um, – as- what we wanted to eventually be a series because when we first started them, they were just, like, 10-minute works. Um, and we were mostly showing them in a – dance setting we were dancing at a space called the space upstairs and for a company called the pillow project which we got really lucky to be granted space to just like explore our own process when no one was rehearsing in the space too so that's where we kind of started dancing at second saturdays with other jazz musicians i think was a big developing tool for us kind of improvising in that
0: space as a mover with a musician. I see. So you would be yeah. doing your own movements and they would be playing the music yeah. and you would be just sort of improving to what they were doing. Right. And, and then, are they were they also doing improv jazz as well?
1: Yes. Yeah, some of the artists that came in I think more so than others. Mm-hmm. But you could definitely find the space of like, you're communicating with each other yeah. physically, and they're communicating with you. Yeah, that's sonically. a beautiful yeah. um,
0: synchronization process. Yeah, definitely these people. And I think we got really lucky too, because we got
1: to enter that space in school, we were blessed to have really amazing percussionists that were accompanists in our classes. And then I feel like I learned so much from them. And being in the room with them, And getting to hear really awesome live music every day, dancing to it.
0: Yeah, so that's part of the program? Yeah. Yeah, there's
1: several um, in-house accompanists, especially for the modern
0: classes.
2: Huh.
0: Um, And is it mostly um, percussionists that you have as accompanists? It's mostly percussionists,
1: but they were pretty experimental in how they would kind of like branch off of that. Like one day... We had a percussionist named Charles who had been there the longest, and he's he actually gave Taylor his first like electronic instrument. I oh. was like, "Play with this!"
2: Oh, cool! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they
1: were very like encouraging. I think of us once you made a connection and you were like genuinely interested in what they were doing, um, because I think a lot of dancers still were like, "Oh, it's just like the backup track to my yeah. dancing." But mm-hmm. like, I was like, "This is amazing!" Like. You're this is alive, and, yeah. th- and we're all dancing in here together. This is awesome. And so they would like Charles would often vocalize with his drumming or go off to the piano and like do multiple things. This percussionist Gordon played a Cliff Bar rapper. You know, like they were awesome. Wow, yeah. I want to go. And I just know
2: it's great. I just
0: want to just wanna go hang out in the side of the classroom right. and just look. And that's
1: like experience. Yeah, it. it was really, I think, a great way to listen and explore music.
0: Yeah, I love where we were. I love this. We because because this is, I well, love the this, answer? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. This is what happens all the time. Yeah. We just meander around. Yeah. Um, but so I love this because you're there for you're there for class you're there to learn but one of the things you learned was not even the lesson yeah it was this other thing and this is the thing that you are taking with you and really making you're expanding on this aspect of um the art form which is really cool i mean it's kind of a it's um it's part of the art form but it's like not looked at right so right. you're kind of bringing it to the forefront right and i think a lot of
1: our process is like no one factor in a piece or in a world that we're creating because we see a lot of our works as like worlds or landscapes or a texture that we're entering into like no one factor is like above the other like I try to eliminate like a hierarchical system right amongst that um, right like I was gonna
0: you know an easy question to ask you would be like is the dance more important than the music and but when I thought about that question for you my sense is that The most important thing is the concepts that you're trying to convey or the expression, the feeling inside of you that you're trying to put out. And however you get to that with these different mediums, some of them probably are more important than others during certain moments or vice versa at other times, flips around. Is that accurate? Yeah, definitely.
1: I mean, we try to be really fluid with our process. We don't have like a set way of creating. Sometimes it'll come from text that we've like written or read and then we reinterpret through sound or like I use a lot of like poetry books or like old journal entries to find like lyrical content Mm -hmm. and um I'll just kind of like free associate from those like word collages and sometimes the movement provides impetus for sound Mm -hmm. so it's we try to be pretty open with whatever feels right and i think that is kind of like the root of our process is like constantly shape-shifting to like whatever container we are in Mm -hmm. um because that definitely plays a role like what are we working on and what are we working on it for you're like what resources do we have and like i think that's where we really started like what resources Do we have and like how do we make the best use out of them? Mm -hmm. Because we had like an Ableton demo program for like six years (laughs) that we were making music. Yeah. And And you did a lot with it, right? Yeah, Yeah. definitely. You can only use like three effects on a track, (laughs) you know, and like or in the whole like track that you had. So we had to be pretty like resourceful with Uh how we use and I think simplicity is definitely a reoccurring theme. Right. Like, how do I simply state something? Or it's definitely got more complex since we were just standing and staring at each other. But. Yeah, which I <laughs> no. really love
0: because I mean, it <clears throat> grounded you there. And then you, I think I read something like you said that you only moved once you felt like really compelled to. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, just metaphorically in life, right. they, they just move because they're, they think they're supposed to, or maybe they're uncomfortable even standing still in their life or in actual, like, I mean, a yeah. lot of people, if you ask them to stand still, they would not have an easy time. They can't. You know, they can't. I mean,
1: and I think we've also, like, we teach a lot, too, so that directly informs our process and practice. Like, how do I translate myself to, like, a varying group of people because we don't just teach to dancers. We teach open-level movement classes. And um, I think a lot of that, too, is, like, putting yourself into – places of discomfort you know stillness is uncomfortable for most people and it's uncomfortable for most people to watch Mm -hmm. but like kind of like moving through that feeling and kind of watching it transform is like what I have always been interested in like how can I like hold this sensation and like feel it and understand it and then watch it kind of like turn into something else
0: mm-hmm. um, yeah so do you i have too many questions i'm no, like which direction okay. do i go <laughs> um real quick this question that i had a few minutes ago i was thinking about do you have songs that don't have movements or do you have movements that don't have songs and do you do you when you write your songs for the movements do they kind of like they're tied to that movement and then they go away out of your life and you never go back to them? Or do you have like songs that you guys do over and over again or right. reinterpret with different movements? Like how do, how does your relationship to the song? Because a lot of traditional bands, they have like a set of songs. Yeah. right? And they like do those songs and those songs go on the radio mm-hmm. and people listen to those songs and then they have to keep doing those songs. And, you know, you're really tied to the product in a way. Um, but but with you with dance, I feel like you don't have to be tied to the product because you're always making the dance is always new,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? But yeah, so- the
1: dance is usually. I mean, most of our performances were improvising, and we just have a practice of. We've been together for five years, so like uh-huh. we know each other's bodies in a way that we can just like go into a space and be like, I don't know what we're gonna do, but we'll figure it out. Yeah, um, but that's been kind of a. An interesting and also difficult process for me, I think, because I feel like a lot of my, what I feel good about comes out of a space of not knowing and like improv, improvising. And then with the recording process, I've had to like go back and like learn what I did.
0: Yeah. You know, and
1: it never feels the same, but then I've also found in the repetition of the recorded work in – because we do have, like, sets that we perform more so when we play out live in a music show. Mm -hmm. Um, I've begun to understand how in the process of repeating something and living in it, I can kind of, like, make it new again. Mm -hmm. And, like, within the subtleties, play with that newness that I really found – through an improvisational practice. And, like, this song that I'm going to perform today actually came out of just, like, improv, Like, having one song that I got to, like, improvise through playing shows. Because we do have a lot of material that... You know, it's, like... The song that we made and it's on an album and now we play it live, you know? And, like, because we also want to constantly learn how we can be better musicians mm-hmm. too. And I think we've been really lucky with like the community that we've been around that um we've been gifted with like being able to absorb a lot from the
0: people around us. Um, yeah and people are very interested in what you're doing yeah. too. So it's really there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of excitement and support yeah. for you guys. Where did you start playing with the electronic instruments?
1: Ooh. Um, so Taylor and I have a kind of like cute story <laughs> we uh-huh. met when we were in college, like we went to the same dance program, uh-huh. um, but we weren't together. Um, but we were always really like interested in each other. We would like see each other. Like I saw him dance at the upstairs, and I was like, oh. <laughs> and he like <laughs> saw me in audition and he was like, Oh. And we started like messaging each other and just sharing music that we really liked because that was something that was always super important to me was like sound and my response to sound physically. I had to have like that connection. And I was really, really interested in electronic music and researching electronic music. Um, I think from my cousins, my one cousin's a filmmaker and my other cousin at the time when I was like 10 or 11 was experimenting with like making music in like a software program. And I was like, Oh
2: my God,
1: that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. So it started, I think, really early, but then gestated. And then Taylor and I met each other and I'm I was like, let's do some collaborations. Like, wink, oh, like, wink. Yeah, like
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> we would like go out and make these little dance films, and then he was starting to work with sounds on like GarageBand, mm-hmm. and eventually got the Ableton demo program. So we would go over and like make these like super ambient soundscapes for these videos that we were making and eventually became like the scores for our movement works because it always felt weird to me to use another person's music for my movement work Mm -hmm. it didn't feel it was i wanted a very specific energy and i felt like we were able to create that together Um, and i had vocalized for a long time done a lot of vocal lessons and, like, kind of felt like I didn't know how to sing for myself. Um, So I would just start to, like, pull from these um, books. I was listening to a lot of, like, Witch House at the time, which Mm -hmm. was, like, very, like, kind of, like, modified, distorted voices. Um, And we would start to play with that. That made me feel safe.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: re-exploring my voice again so playing because you realize like your voice just has to be whatever it is as opposed to some perfect pristine exactly
1: yeah because through training i was always like i always felt like i wasn't like fulfilling it like because it wasn't my thing to fulfill it was like i was learning a standard Mm -hmm. you know and Mm -hmm. i didn't know how to reinterpret it yet yeah um and so we would just like play with knobs and sampling. (laughs) Um, And we started to sample our, like, we would take field recordings and we would, like, put them through filters and, like, sample them on Ableton. And then eventually we were really lucky to have a friend named Dario who really encouraged our process and would, like, give us instruments to borrow. Hmm. Like, we um, got a 404 from him and started to kind of, like, Sample. Um, What's that? Um, It's like a sampler that also has a lot of onboard effects. Mm -hmm. Um, So we would like break stuff up and kind of like start to sound collage things. Mm. Um, And I was in a band with my friend Hunter, who was thousands of bees. Um, Uh We lived together and we started making music kind of like simultaneously when Taylor and I started to collaborate. And... Hunter had an Alesis synthesizer that I like really bonded with a micron um no, it was it's discontinued now. I can't remember it's a keyboard though. yeah, it's a keyboard and it has like a bunch of like the really wheelie things yeah, the wheel, wheel and yeah, yeah and I was like, I would just like I took like one year of piano, but I was like, oh, like this simple like tone sounds so good. like I just started to like fall in love with that feeling of like. Sending something out of me through, like, all these, like, layers of filters yeah. um, just feels good.
0: <laughs> it sure
1: does. Yeah. And and we started to um, – we actually were playing out a lot, and we did a show, and our Ableton crashed during the show. So we – Crisis. Yeah, I know. We were like, okay, we need to get rid of the computer. Like, we want to – be Mm. triggering this because i i still think that a lot of people have a stigma against electronic music they're like you're just pressing something on your computer and you're not like a musician Musician. you know like could you play like cardi b like i'm like this is not i am not a dj right now like i do dj now but i obviously this I can't do
0: that here. That's not the right device for that.
1: (laughs) So we started to try to like eliminate the computer and um, keep our make our sets more like not computer
0: like with our um, synthesizers and my yeah. So still still electronically deriving the noise, but with an organic creation process. Definitely,
1: yeah. And we're kind of trying to find, we're constantly questioning how we can develop it further. Like, I think we want to get, like, a um, kind of a electronic drum pad to to kind of add into the mix as well. Mm-hmm. To kind of make it feel as physical and spontaneous as our bodies can yeah. feel. And we've also entered into, we're in a process, we just did a residency at the Pearl Art Studios, um it's called the Pearl Diving Movement residency and we were able to also work with Herman Soy Sauce in his studio on some um, really fun um kind of like modular synths and um with mm-hmm. like an actual tape delay like um, yeah right it was and generate a lot of sound through that process that we are actually using collaborating with an artist Anna Henson to build a system for us to trigger these um, samples or trigger these effects based on where we are in space. Mm -hmm. So um, we're wearing these trackers that run through a virtual reality program that communicates with Max for Live that, like, based on where we are in space, like if I jump up, it opens up a reverb. If I go down, it, like...
0: Makes yeah. a filter
1: sweep and it also eventually spatializes the sound through like a multi point system. 100%
0: radical. Yeah. You know, so it, it I just would, wanted to move through my body and out. Yeah. <laughs> you know what else would be cool too is if uh, you did that where everyone else was also wearing one and then you had to respond to what they were doing. Yeah. No, definitely. It's.
1: It's in its very early stages. It's really yeah. great. I just your
0: future is so bright. I yeah, <laughs> awesome. I love that. Yes. It's, it's so collaborative and um, multi-medium. I mean, it just yeah. really is like you're just pulling in all these different interesting aspects of the most basic thing we have, which is our bodies, and right. the most advanced thing we have, which is these really abstract technological yeah. Thing, things. Yeah. And just like merging them in a way that is totally awesome.
1: (laughs) And I think we're also like questioning like technology is a part of our lives and like it's not going to go away. So how can we be a part of the conversation of making technology still center the human experience and be embodied? So, I mean, that's what I'm interested in, too, is like I feel like so much of my early like figuring out how to like work with electronics is like me like twiddling a knob, you know, like, how do I like, how can I make it feel as organic as my body moving through space and um, feel like as ephemeral and magical as it feels to me?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, to do that. So I have kind of a weird question. And, and um, I don't know. What, but like, so because dance is such a body based thing. And because we all get old yeah. and our body gets old, um, what – I mean, you're not old. You're not old. So maybe you can't answer this <laughs> I'm question. I'm getting there. I've had two knee surgeries. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's okay. <laughs> well, so maybe you have a glimpse of an answer for this question. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I guess I'm just wondering what's it like to age as, as a dancer when dancing is such a big part of your emotional outlet But and also maybe it's different for you because you you're working on these ways to to translate those feelings through other mediums, too.
1: Definitely. I mean, it's hard to not judge that process. I've also been really lucky to be able to witness a lot of older dancers that I feel like only get better. With age. really you know it's and it becomes less about the physical body uh-huh. and more about energy and intention mm. um,
2: Beth Corning
1: is an artist that Taylor and I have been able to um, work with and she has a company that where she only produces works with dancers over the age of 40 so oh, like seeing wow cool Leg- yeah no it's amazing and then like watching these works and being like oh my gosh young dancers <laughs> we have so much to learn because i feel like it it's like when you're young you're like yeah you this body
0: look what it can do you know but <laughs> yeah, then you got all the muscles to jump all right. around and everything and
1: then you're kind of like i don't need all that crap to say
0: what i have to say
1: and i think also researching a lot of butoh artists like Kazuono, is a extremely famous butoh artist who was dancing until his literal death, like
0: wow. at, like in his 90s. So, buto is a style of movement. And yeah. What would you? I know it's hard to yeah. say in words, but what would you characterize that it,
1: as? Um, it came out of Japan, and it was a response um, to the. I think the pain of the atomic bomb, and how mm. do we like? How did? And like culturally, like they're a very silent culture. So how did they express this through a physical? art form and it is a highly improvisational style and then there was i mean there's a lot that goes to it but there was like a split between like what you think of as butoh, like the white paint and like the grotesque shapes and then there was this other side of butoh that was like about life and beauty and creating characters and um giving gifts to your audience. Um, And it's a lot about stillness and slowness and um, making someone wait. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot about... It's really process-based. So a lot of what you're seeing on stage is direct process Um, Mm -hmm. and expressing intention through like simple gestures, like taking like 20 minutes to like take a rose and put it in the mouth of another person. So it's it's, like
0: beautiful. Wow. Um, And so everybody sits very patiently and watches this too.
1: Yeah. And then they say too, as the buto artist gets older, it's like Kazuono by the time he was 90 could like lift his hand to his face and like everyone's in tears just because of wow. like the energy that these performers exude is so powerful and clear wow. um yeah so crazy. mad respect so i that's why i'm like i'm gonna dance forever like yeah you know? no clearly like yeah. if you
0: if that's what is your passion you you are going to definitely and it sounds like there's so many there's so many different styles of dance people who don't study dance have like no clue I have no clue and I i mean I've actually even done a couple dance things but mm-hmm. like I definitely also have no clue and um, a lot of people just move around you know but it's not the same I think I'm a mover not a dancer like if I oh. went on some TV show they'd be like well you can move
2: but you can't dance <laughs> no. <laughs> no.
0: but I feel like I'm doing what I want to do I have definitely Wait, I can relate can to dance. yeah I can relate yeah. to you know how you mentioned you know experiencing or healing through your traumas with it you know i definitely dance a lot more when i'm going through some shit
1: yeah you're dancing i mean i think i mean through and through buto and a lot of movement more movement theater and performance art practices that i've been able to be a part of i and i've worked with a lot of like quote unquote non-dancers so i'm like What the hell is dance, you know? It's, Uh again, another, like, system and, like, socialization that, like, and it's extremely hierarchical, like, the system that I came out of. That's why I don't. Try to operate just in that system. You do not abide. Yeah, I mean, like I have. I mean, it's it's my it's a part of me. I tried to reject that for a long time, but I had a friend in a process be like, "Okay, well, Anna, you're just in that phase of rejecting your training. You'll be back." You know, uh, I was yeah. like, "Oh, read. Oh my God, sorry." Um, but
0: not back yet. No, not back yet. Actually, totally. what you're doing instead is you're making a whole other movement. About right. It. And uh, so, what are your um Slow Danger has movement classes. Mm-hmm. What happens? So we've been teaching
1: these open level movement classes for about three years now. And what started out was Taylor and I just wanted to get better at co-teaching and, like, figure out what that would be like to facilitate as two people. Um, and we started hosting these weekly classes. And we were like, it's open level. Anyone show up because, like, I want to learn how to teach anybody. Um and i feel like anyone can really do what we do through their own lens or filter like we just want to start to let people f- explore their own embodiment cuz i feel like dancers are really selfish with that
2: mm-hmm.
1: practice like we get to live in these experiences and in use our bodies in this way and we feel like we can only share that with other dancers. You know, like that's stupid to me. Like I feel like people need to feel. So a lot of our classes are surrounding like embodiment techniques, um, influenced a lot by body-mind centering, which is a somatic um, and also anatomical kind of looking at the body and how it's made and how it feels to actually feel your blood moving through your veins, mm-hmm. to, like, come in tune to your breath moving in and out of your body and how that affects everything, like, this kind of holistic view of, like, if you blink your eye, there's so many things happening in our body all the time that we can't be aware of because it, it has to happen. It's, like, autonomic. But how do we, like, begin to tune into that and, like, actually sense that we're alive and then move through and from that place. So a lot of our classes, um, start in a very still place. And then we start to like evolve to standing again. And then we get into more complex structures, like moving with another person, um, moving as a group, like these kind of group compositional exercises. And, um, maybe even we do a lot of authentic movement, which is with another person, um, one person's the witness, and one person is what we just say is the doer, and they you close your eyes and you just have your eyes closed for a long period of time, and you just move from whatever influence that you need, and the witness is there to hold your experience, but also to like protect you if you run towards a cliff
0: Neat.
1: um so we we accumulate a lot of the processes we've been a part of a improvisational technique called Gaga, which developed in Israel from the Batsheva Dance Company, um, which is a lot of sensorial kind of imaginations. So you're like, oh, like I'm full of clouds or um, <laughs> I'm really heavy. I'm a bodybuilder, you know, like kind of like moving through these filters, like effort states, which come from Laban movement analysis. And um which anyone can do, like anyone can like tense their muscles and like ring them or anyone can like imagine that they're floating. So it's a lot of like taking the mind and the body and like playing with which one influences each other. Mm. Um, And we always keep it open to change too. So which has led to a lot of um, fun explorations and like interdisciplinary studies. So we'll go into like the Carnegie Mellon's, like, architecture program and do a movement workshop with a bunch of, like, architecture students. Yeah, Um, who are both creative and rigid. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I think that in that sense, like, these, like – Spaces that don't have dance are like more appreciative of like how it can influence and like affect what you they can do. Feel a
0: big difference when exactly. you never do it. Yeah,
1: right. And we also do a lot of like eye contact studies. Like that's how Taylor and I started making work was like just durational eye contact,
0: like that we staring into each yeah, other's eyes. Yeah,
1: you know, and just like starting to like see that um, if you stare into someone's eyes for long enough, they start to like. Your eyes start to do crazy stuff it gets weird, <laughs> yeah, it gets weird. <laughs> and then you're like, "Oh my God, I'm having visions yeah, um, yeah so those classes we started, and we were like, I don't know, maybe some dancers will show up, but mostly the people that show up and keep showing up are people that just are like anybody Cur- like curious, curious, curious. And, and understand how their sense of themselves change. Changes throughout the process.
0: Well, I think it's a it's a an accolade for for you guys because it means that you're making movement accessible to people. Definitely who, to people who don't usually think of themselves
1: right. as dancers, and that's really important for us. Is like, how do we provide multiple entry points into our process? If you're curious about what we do as artists, come and take our class multiple entry points to people with like varying levels of ability Mm -hmm. is really important to us which is like kind of what stemmed our like virtual reality and kind of sound explorations lately is like a lot of people are not neurotypical so why is there so much performance and dance designed for people that are neurotypical like Mm -hmm. how do we like turn all the lights out and just play a sub bass frequency you know like how i don't
0: know but So that you have endless ideas. Yeah, (laughs) it's just great. (laughs) It just
1: keeps going. It just keeps
0: going. It's so great. I just love it. Let me ask you a couple of gender oriented questions Mm -hmm. real quick. Um, So maybe first of all, a good place to start is a basic question about is dance a, is it dominated by women? Because I think people have that impression is it or is it... It's dominated by women, but
1: it um, leads to a whole nother kind of expression of patriarchy where the female body is disposable mm. and um, not as valued as a male body because there's less of them and they have to mm. kind of like treasure them and cultivate them in a different way that they do with females. They're so special. Yeah,
0: exactly. And I... <laughs> <laughs> I see. It sounds like it sounds, oh it sounds yeah. like the cla- the way the same way you feel about the classical structure of the whole oh totally thing is problematic in this way. Definitely, well.
1: they have way more liberties than females do in the training process. But I, I also f- have hope that that's changing. Like Peter Martin's just stepped away from being the director of New York City Ballet mm-hmm. on um, sexual harassment charges okay. and misconduct. So I mean I'm what's sure that happening rampant. Oh totally. I mean, yes. What's happening all over right now is happening in the dance world too.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's about damn time. Yeah. For real. You know? Like oh it's my God.
0: God. Um <laughs> So are most of the people who are in positions of power in the dance world, are they mostly men also? Like he was the director, right? Are there like lots of directors or programs, mostly men, or it, are there are there women? It depends on
1: what field – I think ballet um, is still like that. But I think in a lot of modern, postmodern, contemporary lenses, there's a lot more female-driven um, institutions and companies and choreographers. I mean, yeah. I personally feel like most of the choreographers I'm interested in right now are women, mm-hmm. especially women of color because mm. they have a whole another. Um, thing to deal with when navigating the dance world. You know, it's like... I bet. Yeah. And I there's a lot more pressure, I think, on the female body in the dance world, especially when it comes to appearance and weight.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask, like, how does dance alter your perception of your femininity or your identity. Mm, Yeah. Like how much, like, it sounds like you're really good at saying this doesn't feel right. And I'm going to step over here and make my own thing. Right. But it must've been since you've been doing it throughout your youth. Yeah. I mean, were there times where you let it shape how you were approaching your own body? Definitely. It took a long time to get to
1: this place. I think Um, I dealt with, eating disorders, and a lot of women do, and, like, body dysmorphia, just because you're looking at yourself in a mirror every freaking day. Yeah. You know, like, you start to totally overanalyze every single part of yourself. And I think what I wanted to do was, like, almost eliminate any sort of, like, femininity in my body by starving myself. Like, I didn't want... I wanted to be long and angular, Hmm. and I think that that is a fetishized body type in the dance world, and, um, I think it's, again, like, I think there's a lot of changes happening now, but I also come from, like, my mother was a dancer, and there was a lot more pressure on her body than there was on mine Mm -hmm. now, um.
0: Yeah, hey, do you think the yeah. world is more open to varieties of I dance do. And, and shapes and everything? I
1: think the people that care about it are the the old, old hats, geezers. Yeah, and stupid. And I honestly, I mean, it's terrible because, like, at that time, like, especially when I was in school, I was like a hundred. Fifteen pounds, mm-hmm. and like five foot eight, and like I still had teachers going up to me and being like, "You need to lift weights because your arms are not as toned as they should be." Wow, you know, and I was praised for like that emaciation instead of like having people take me aside and be like, "Do you have a problem?" Right, you yeah. know, like there is a a
0: praise of that. It's gross. It's like yeah but no. it it seems like it's mostly internal to the art form though, right. like as totally. you know because all these other people who don't know that much about dance i think there's a general knowledge that it's difficult on women in, mm-hmm. in this way because you see a lot of dancers looking like looking like Definitely. that and hearing stories about eating disorders and things like that but then <clears throat> it's it's almost like um it's got to get better with time because the old geezers are the ones who've had the money to pay yeah, for everything, right? Exactly. That's who funds stuff. Mm-hmm. So what their money is, their money is why you have to do all this in right. the end, right? It's like this crazy trickle down is awful, but as people like us are getting older and um, <laughs> getting in positions of power, getting positions of power yeah. and um, having money that we can use to exert our opinion with in that way. Like that's where these changes are starting to come from. And um, I'm ex- I'm excited that there's some people like you who are out there who are yeah. making, making a way for people to exist in the world of dance without having to be in that space. Definitely. And I
1: think that's also attributed to the inclusion of more diverse voices. It making dance and performance now, like Mm -hmm. more queer and POC based initiatives and
0: the movement of performance.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, that's just so it's interesting. Thank you for talking Mm -hmm. about it for a minute, Um, opening up about that. So let's talk about your piece a little bit. So today, obviously, we're a podcast, so we can't be dancing or I could be describing how she's moving or whatever, but... Um, I highly encourage everybody to go to the website to to watch some of the movement if they're curious and also to go to a show um, to see it live because it's really fun and cool. So cool. Um, and I know when I, I saw you opening for the Radiohead show, um, uh, Radiohead tribute show at Spirit, and this is an example of you guys dancing in the context of you know, music scene Mm -hmm. thing super music scene thing, you know, Radiohead yeah. geeks and all this oh, kind of totally. stuff. Oh, totally. We love Radiohead too. <laughs> and um and it was so fun and cool and like just I really enjoyed watching people watching you too. And um I know I mentioned it to you at the time but there was this guy who was like he was like moving a little but like only with his hand, you know. And like he re- but it was his hand was like really into it. Like he mm, was doing all this yes. stuff with his hand and like the rest of his body was completely still and just his hand was like going nuts and I was like, "Oh, he wants to do this. He yes. wants to dance. He wants to move his whole body, but he's like, it's just his hand. He's only allowing his hand to do it. But I mean, like he was really feeling what you were putting out. And I, I thought that was great. And he allowed a little piece of him to get a little crazy, you know, and I thought that was great. And I was just wishing the whole time he would just bust out and do something. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, it was cool. People were in, really into it and yeah. intrigued and attentive and um, and not in like a, what are those weird people doing? Right. <laughs> Which is like the, a risk, right? That like they could t- like I'm sure <laughs> it happens. Like, what are those weirdos doing? Yeah. Like, even in a crowd of avant-garde interested yeah, people. Yeah, definitely. Um, but they were like, definitely really into it. And it was really cool. But anyway, so all that is an aside. Right now, because we're a podcast, we're just going to play The song Mm -hmm. now but you're going to create it live which is really cool with a Boss VE20 that's a vocal effects Mm -hmm. pedal and so you loop is that correct
1: yeah this is the song that I talked about previously that kind of came out of like me giving myself a break to like improvise and find something um, on my own during the set Um, usually Taylor dances for this piece and it being a solely independent artists like Taylor and I don't have other jobs that don't relate to what we do. Um it's really difficult. Um and it comes So you make with, all your money with dancing? Yeah dancing we also dance Teaching. for other people we teach a lot um we gig uh-huh. um we write grants um hard life yeah <laughs> it's a lot of work and there's a lot of doubt that comes along that road um, so this was just kind of like a mantra that I developed for both of us um to kind of acknowledge how much effort we're putting in and to like be kind to ourselves and to just like regard regardless of anything, just keep moving. Keep um, moving forward, yeah. keep building mm-hmm.
0: and like having faith in your
1: right. It's an accumulative journey. I feel like the longer you stay in the game the more you're going to have success. Yeah. Um,
0: So. So is the doubt that you experience about, like, you're thinking maybe I should be doing something that makes me more money or is more secure, just, like, general? Definitely. I mean,
1: we could go and be in a dance company and, like, make more of a decent living. (laughs) Yes. Or, I mean, I was – my my dad's a scientist, and I have a lot of um, doctors in my family. So yeah. this kind of journey, although my mother's side is artists, and he respects my choices, but I think there's also this stigma that I'm not using my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, money is a thing that we have to deal with. And there's months where it's really hard, you know, mm-hmm. like being an independent artist, like there's months where you're totally oversaturated. And then there's months where there's a lot more space. And that's when the the doubt kind of comes in. You're yeah, like, well, you're yeah, suddenly, we're
0: going to get it again. <laughs> suddenly you're standing still and all the thoughts creep in. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Um, And usually that's
1: the period where we're planning for bigger things too. And it's like, doubting your own plans like mm-hmm. and you get a lot of rejection like we apply for a lot of platforms and a lot of grants and you don't get them sometimes and sometimes you do but when you don't get them that's hard to deal with
0: yeah being an artist is full of rejection yeah and having to be convicted about your own worth. And definitely, the things that you have to say. And and sending if, emails into the void, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and maybe like, ah! you never hear back. <laughs> and then you try again, and you hope you're not being annoying. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, it's yeah. Okay. So Even great. though
1: we have success, it's still you know. And I've also realized that people that I really respect, that I see as like doing it, mm-hmm. still deal with that. So I don't
0: think it's something. I think it's every that level ever goes all the way away. up. Yeah, totally.
1: Like, that insecurity might always be
0: there. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's good to get comfortable with that and to find ways to reassure yourself. So that's kind of what this song is, is Mm -hmm. what you're saying. It's like a way to remind yourself that what you're doing is worthwhile and it's your authentic being and what you want to be doing. Definitely.
1: And it's kind of like a prayer meditation, too, within the set for me to kind of,
0: like, recenter. Cool. And does it come out a little different every time? Yeah, definitely. Ne- neat. And you, so you're going to use the looper and so you're going to lay down all the everything with that. Yeah, I'll lay it down. Lay yeah. it down. Cool. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited. Let's let's listen to it. Yay.
2: and please this all
0: Went into a place while Aww, you were doing that yay. that was so wonderful and beautiful and I just also really like how um, you use your voice in like a, a bunch of different ways and like you had a real guttural low bass kind of mm. zone you went into <laughs> and, um, and I love that and I feel like that that just inside of that song is like the landscape of your own journey with your creative process mm-hmm. and having you know those moments where you're like I'm going to do that thing that's maybe not what the classically trained thing would be to tell you to do. But because you do that, you emote something Mm. that is different and special and and part of what you have to say going into things. So that was really cool. Cool. I think it also
1: comes out of like when I was training, I was like, I was taking on character a lot Mm -hmm. and, um, I feel like I have multiple characters inside me, but I was always pinned as a soprano. So I always had to sing the stupid, like, freaking, like, oh, my God, like, I'm a soprano. Like, I want to love someone. Someone love me. And I just, like, always wanted to be, like, the the second soprano, like the sexy, funny friend. Uh-huh. <laughs> like now as I get older, I'm like, I can be the sexy, funny friend. Yeah. yeah. And like this like other. Well, you
0: can go into all these mm-hmm. different places yeah. and give these different perspectives mm-hmm. to the song all through this. And um I mean, your voice is great. It's Aww. so beautiful. And um, I almost feel bad that you ever thought that it wasn't. That way, but it has a unique quality to it. It's just a beautiful sonorous quality to it. Yeah, Yeah. all makes. And it could stand alone. I mean, like it could stand alone without the dance, but I'm so glad that you bring in all the dance to it. So you sing that live and you change a little bit every time and Taylor dances to it. Mm -hmm. Do you watch what he's doing and feed off of him or try to lead him into places with what you sing?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean,
0: there's that
1: kind of like back and forth that happens between us where, like, I'm influenced by him and then he influences um, – or I influence him and then he influences me and it kind of just naturally – and we have such a connection mm-hmm. um, both physically and energetically that it's, like, almost like I don't have to think about it anymore. Yeah. You know, like – and it's to the point where, like, Taylor and I take a lot of yoga and we'll be – in a yoga class like on opposite ends of the room and the teacher will like state the movement and we'll move at the exact same time
0: Uh without
1: even being aware of each other yeah you know so it's
0: five years like five years
1: this november
0: yeah actually it's funny because um a friend of mine and yours abby Abby diamond she said oh man they're just, like, my favorite power couple in Aww. the whole city. I, and we've known
1: Avi for so long. She actually was, like, um, Taylor produced a song for her,
0: like, before Slow
1: Danger. Yeah.
0: Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so, that's so cool. Back in the day. Wow. Um, Yeah. And, you know, there's, like, a Funny City paper article where it's describing your first date.
1: Oh, my Aww. God.
0: <laughs> and yeah. it's so, it's so sweet and also like I feel somehow I can feel the character of that being part of your relationship even though I'm not like your best friend ever I just met you recently you know like I can see this throughout you mysterious and scary kind of onset, but that Uh, intrigues you and keeps you kind of bound together with your communication and spontaneity yeah definitely and that you both really like that and found each other for sure through that and but that even though, like, you are both the same. I mean, like, a lot of people be like, oh, interrelationships, use the same thing all the time. Mm-hmm. But, Ian, you're both people who like creativity and spontaneity yeah. and, and improv. But you find stability with each other and ways to do that together. Definitely. And it is really, it is special. And that does make you a power couple, Aww, for sure. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, We try to support each other to be able to do what we need to do. Yeah. Especially creatively. Kind of like you have to I feel like we have to we're both people that kind of need that stability to feel okay. Mm-hmm.
0: You know? and your work is so conceptual. Do you guys sit around together philosophizing? Yeah. It never stops. <laughs> it sometimes, never stops.
1: sometimes like we literally have to be like, You need to, we need to stop talking about work right now. Yeah. Like we need to like <laughs> just like sit and you know, we have other like going out with friends or mm-hmm. our cat is a great distractor. <laughs> Um, the she's kitty. like our child, Yeah. you <laughs> know, and just like, we have to tell each other when we need to like
0: tune out for a second. Yeah. And you do, you keep yeah. on top of each other But we're way.
1: both okay with kind of like not having a strict off and on for like, we definitely believe our process, life and our process are intermingled and I don't, as an artist, it's hard for me to take my hat on and off like i have to be mm-hmm. ready to receive or mm-hmm. send out into the world whenever yeah. i want
0: okay one last little weird question so you were talking before about the guy who can make people cry by yeah. just moving his hand to his face for mm-hmm. the duration of like 20 minutes right yeah um now is that is is that all of the time like when you're performing, is it different than when you're just being in every day? Like if you do that and people cry in a room where everyone's watching you to mm-hmm. watch this moment, is that different than um any old time that you would be moving? Like can he make everyone yeah, cry anytime he I'm wants? Sure. I I think that I think when you're
1: performing the collective energy in a space definitely contributes to power in performance mm-hmm. but i also really enjoy rehearsal and perform like non-performative moments like i feel like those like performance is extremely healing for me in a very explosive way But rehearsal and process is extremely healing for me in a very private way. It's like Mm. a journal entry. It's a great way to think about it. Yeah, and I think you can also express a quiet moment on stage too. But I just – I love – and there was something like in performances, you always do like a tech and a dress rehearsal and then the show. And I always have loved watching dress rehearsals and tech rehearsals, sometimes more so than the performance. Mm. Um, just cause it's like that kind of quiet, personal, mm-hmm. almost like marking through the experience, but like finding the honesty inside of it. Yeah. Um, and we don't, Taylor and I don't have a space right now that we regularly rehearse. So a lot of the times, you know, especially in the summer, we can just like go outside and
2: yeah. dance. Like
1: that space is so, um. I, I really appreciate the devotion and, like, the kind of ritual of a performance, but I also really love to surprise people mm-hmm. and, like, do a lot of public performance Oh, um, that we've done with a lot of other um, dance companies, but also kind of, like, through our own work. Um,
0: when you go hit the club yeah. and you start dancing, <laughs> is it, like, crazy? Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I have to feel it. Like, I hate when I go out and someone's like, you're a dancer. I want to go dance. But yeah, I'm like, right. I'm not off a, tonight. No, <laughs> you I know? am not a monkey. Exactly. I hate that. But when I'm feeling it, oh, totally. Like, the club can also be a transcendent experience.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I love that intersection. We're working right now with... Um, Bill Shannon, and members of the Get Down Gang. And I love working with people whose origins come from that space because there's such a different energy to that kind of performance environment. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit more cutthroat, I think. Mm-hmm.
0: But I love that. That environment being, like, the DJ for the dance club. The DJ
1: and, like, the street dance environment. It's like, show me what you
0: have now.
1: Yeah, it's all about battles, right? Yeah. Dance battles. But I think there's something beautiful to that ritual. Really amazing things happen out of, like, sessions. And I love the – I love rehearsal process. Uh So, like, sessions – and kind of like just like going around, like round robining, like improvising. Because a lot, of, I think that's why I connected it too, is because a lot of those forms are highly improvisational too. Sure. Um. So I kind of like acknowledge that process is like kind of um similar to
0: uh-huh. my own. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I know how to turn it on. You know, yeah. like I know how to throw a couple <laughs>
0: tricks in um, there and make uh, people go. Make
1: mm-hmm. people go. Oh
0: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah. Um. What uh, do you, when you're doing your improv, like of this song that you just sang and Taylor is dancing, mm-hmm. um, do you ever throw him up, you know, a crazy thing in there, like oh, something yeah. unexpected that he has to react to? Oh, he can
1: totally do it though.
0: Yeah. He's got he's it. So quick. Oh, he's got it in a second.
1: Oh, yeah. man. So, I can you... never trip him up. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Except for when I'm like,
0: take my weight right now. And he's yeah. like, no. <laughs> I see. Yeah. That's funny. So also, and what do you think is so, why do you think that the actual performance, you described it as the performance is like explosively healing versus like sort of a slow burn personal healing Mm -hmm. process. Why do you think the performance in front of other people is that impactful?
1: I think it has something to do with multiple people in space, like holding space for something to happen. Um I think there's an energetic connection that happens between performer and audience member and when you really open yourself up to that as a performer you can be held by not only like your energetic I think ancestry but also the the people that are devoting themselves to this performance and I think when you get to a certain place I don't think that you can just walk out there and be like, blah, and do it. I think there has to be kind of like this kind of push and pull attraction. Um, there's a communication going, a subtle energetic communication happening between you and your, your audience as a performer. And I think that it can lend itself to an extremely powerful release mm-hmm. as a performer.
0: And also, it can be cathartic for the witness. Oh, my God. I just watched yeah. some dance uh, recently, and I cried, like, yeah. the whole time. Oh, my God. I love a good cry at a performance. Like, I love it. I didn't it. even understand <laughs> why I was crying, but I just was having to oh. cry. It was just so, I don't even know if I would say it was so beautiful. Like, I just I just felt whatever was happening. I felt it. And I yeah. was just, and I was thinking about my own stuff, and I was, I and love it. I just, like, cried and cried. I cried at
1: the Radiohead show. That last song, I was like,
0: yeah.
1: Oh, God, I love it. It's, like, Radiohead's so nostalgic for me,
0: so it's that too. Yeah, yeah, like, oh, Makes yeah. It you to those moments. It gets me there. Yeah, I had, like, a period of three years I couldn't listen to OK Computer because I, I was, know. it just was attached <laughs> to something that was so emotional. Right. I just could not. That's how in Rainbows is for me. Yeah, really? The first
1: time I felt, like, I really released myself into improvisation, it was to nude.
0: Really? Yeah. Oh, what a nice little nugget of information. And then Taylor
1: and I covered that song. Yeah, so I like to go back and cover a lot of Readyhead
0: songs. (laughs) Because I'm like,
1: I'm not going to do it the way that Tom York is going to do it. I'm just going to make it my own thing. But like, I I like filtering that kind of layered nostalgia. A lot of the memory series is kind of exploring that feeling Um and reinterpreting it in the moment, mm-hmm. kind of that ephemeral sense. And do you have a memory coming up, a new memory
0: series? Ooh, dances?
1: well, right now Taylor and I are working on a lot of collaborative works. We did Memory Five this past year, which turned into a duet, um, but was first a work but with us and another dancer, Rue Emmons. Um, that was about kind of like water and water memory, which is like this kind of holistic, disputed. Um, idea that water retains a memory of um, substances that have been dissolved in it even after it's been serially diluted to the point where the substance is outside not necessarily supposed to be in the water anymore Mm -hmm. but this like and the fact that we are like 98% water like even when we serially dilute our memories there's still still a presence Mm -hmm. of it um and I see that especially in like relationships with people. Even like, for example, if I serially, if I, the further away I get away from like a death in my family, which has been a lot of, um, we've had a lot of that in my family, um, I will still have an attachment to that moment
0: mm-hmm.
1: or to that loss or to that gain mm-hmm. or to whatever, you know, like I can't fully cut myself off from anything that's ever happened to me yeah um so that I was about this yeah.
0: too because like some i've had some traumas in my life and i i've i've retained all the feelings of it and how it changed me as a person but i if i saw some of these people right now i wouldn't even recognize them yeah they're like it's like as if we never knew each other mm-hmm. right now but i retain all of this effect of our interactions you definitely know? and it's weird
1: yeah, but I That's also weird. think that those people, like, they're feeling it too, so. Maybe <laughs> you they know? are, yeah. Everybody, it's like you don't actually know how people, I think, experience themselves. Mm-hmm. So I always like to be like, well, you know, we, yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. It's
1: out there somewhere, yeah. you know, like, and I, I'm really inspired by, like, dreams and how we go through those tra- traumas through sleep. Mm-hmm. And I just re- heard this podcast recently, too, where like we actually are healing ourselves. Mm-hmm. Even we are experiencing something traumatic in a dream world. There's still a psychological mending that's happening in there's, that experience. There's actually
0: a whole new um, therapy style that tries to mimic that process by doing rapid eye movements while you're oh, awake and reliving through the experience with your therapist. That's crazy. I know. Just as an aside, because yeah, because <laughs> the REM is part of yeah. the sleep process too. So there's, you know, interesting real research going on yeah. in that. So that's cool. Love that. Yeah. Um, I loved talking to you. And I think this was so great. And uh, I learned a lot. There's obviously so many subtleties to the dance world that we couldn't even get into here in the course of this this conversation. But there's so much richness there to learn. And um, I think it's so great that you bring it to people. You're classically trained. You and Taylor are both classically trained. And you know so much about that world. And you're so knowledgeable about all these different aspects of dance. And yet you... Make other people in the world feel like it's accessible and mm-hmm. like something that they could participate in. maybe you know I'll never dance like you, but I can do things that bring me the same sensations and yes. feelings that help me to express myself and help mm-hmm. me to feel my own feelings and' I'll, and be present definitely I think is a big part like how you describe you're in this space and then you're just kind of like moving around from that space and and over time, you change positions, um, but, you know, that's really a really different process than saying, I want to go there right, to point B and, and then, like, not knowing how to do it. But you're just, like, organically... Figuring, figuring it out like you're like a little amoeba moving yeah. around in a petri dish, but it, not actually. a petri dish, the no, world.
1: Straight up, that's <laughs> the a state world. we start in. Then we call it amoeba. We're you like, do, oh, yeah. I know. and then we. <laughs> I'm on your wavelength, right? Girl. Then we're like starfish, you know, ah.
0: like, little evolutionary yeah. exploration. I like this. Yeah. I really dig your work, and Thank I. You. Um, and Thank I, you for and having I, me. I like what you're laying down. Yes, I'm picking uh, up what you're laying down. <laughs> And um, everyone should go check out Slow Danger and, I mean, take a movement class. Yeah, People can find out about that where, on your website? Our
1: website, we have one on Sunday at Mm -hmm. Meta Healing Arts Community Mm -hmm. across from Speck Brothers. And And how frequently do you do this? um, They're more pop-up now. Um, We'll be announcing some in the new year very soon. 2018. But these are our last classes of the year. We've got one on Sunday, and then we're teaching a workshop at the Alloy Studios on Wednesday. 10 to noon. There's lunch afterwards.
0: Ooh, lunch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Movement and lunch. Yeah. Mm had a good time exactly so thank you so much for coming on the show it's thank been really you. really fun to talk to you Yay. and beautiful song oh, really awesome thank you so much yeah. I really
1: appreciate being yeah. thank you. brought in
0: yeah it's so great it was thank super you. fun to talk <laughs> I was nervous but now no! I'm all oh. unwound yeah unwound, unwound. Yeah. we should have started with some, some I know. basic or movement and breathing space <laughs> maybe we should yeah. talk to you about how to do that and yeah. we'll start each guest. life yes <laughs> have a little ritual <laughs> yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, that's right. Thank you so much. Thank you. You've been listening to Petticoat Rule, galvanizing women in musical creativity. The views and opinions expressed during the show are solely those of persons appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the producers. Subscribe and find more information and episodes at petticoatrule.net. Follow us on Facebook at Petticoat Rule, and on Instagram and Twitter at PetticoatRuleFm.